Lights. Camera. Snoogin Boogin! Yeah, Snoochie Boochie! I got the power with the Snoogans! I was not expecting that. <laughs> I was hoping you would be expecting that shit, man. That would make this podcast both boring and uneventful. It would be like it'd be like yoga in a dirty LA hovel. <laughs> it'd be like the Boba Fett show when it focuses on Boba Fett. Anyway. Hey. <laughs> Boba Fett show is clean. He's in the back to tank, taking lengthy showers, which I can relate to, and meditating about everything that happened, which, man, those are some long-ass showers. Literally, to tell his entire backstory took, like, all of five episodes out of seven. But, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm just saying, one of the best episodes is the episode that both that's not a part of. But, uh, let's... <laughs> you, know, you know what I like? I like Angry Wookie. I know he's got a different name, but I'm gonna call him Angry Wookie because that dude is a badass. I get it. Well, welcome to Cinemagic Podcast, Woo! where we are talking about finally, that's right, part two of He Man. I know everybody's been waiting for it, anticipating. When we said we we're gonna do this, and this has been a long time in the making, <laughs> I feel I feel like Jonathan's been escaping this, and I think he's gonna give us the reasons why. But it's okay because I feel the exact same way. I have the I, power. I think I'm <laughs> a bigger surprise, Rick. That's my co-host, the best one. He has the power to be the heist of the mans. Woo! I don't, I don't. The heist of the mans. Let's just do that yeah, one. The heist of the mans. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'm gonna go with that one. <laughs> And I'm your other host. I would have just—I would have been happy to just be called Stratus, man, because that, like, either Stratus or Cyclone, because those were my favorite uh, masters of the universe. I guess you could call them, but I don't know. Stratus wasn't a master, was he? Or he was? I don't know. Yes, Strato. Strato was. Strato was. Yeah. I mean, it's not very clear in the original cartoon who was. Yeah, it just—it's really not really a hundred percent clear here either. It's like they want to <laughs> take you there, but everyone's a master now. Yeah, mastery. Uh, It it just said He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. So the assumption was his buddies were Masters of the Universe. That's the assumption. So I'm going to say Strato, Master of the Universe. Cyclone, Master of the Universe. 100%. Um, Yeah, yeah. Man of Arms, who was my OG. Except for the Sorcerers. I got a lot to say about Man at Arms. I am. So can we start there? Please. Yeah. Well, well, I have a question. Okay. Why we're here. Okay. Is the sorceress a master of the universe? Wouldn't she technically be a mistress of the universe? Well, the master is ge- not gender specific. So we're just going to say. But I, I mean, yes. I, I, I guess. I don't know. Though, because she can't get is out of the castle. The but she's trapped Wait. in the fucking castle. But if you think about what the castle represents. The castle is the fulcrum of the universe. So technically she would be like the man. And she did say that she was traveling the universe so yeah i guess she would be like the master of the universe among other so things is he-man and the masters of the universe is just he-man and the sorceress because the sorceress is technically the only master of the universe since she's literally the master of Skull, which is what they made lynn understand when it came to skeletor in the first part of this is that lynn has the power not skeletor right so technically the sorceress is the master of the universe right which is like the most backwards ass thing and for like a million reasons that was so fucking backwards how they executed that but i i see your point and i want to believe that but at the same time it's like you gave me the porridge but you didn't give me a fucking spoon to scoop it with you see so technically yeah i'm gonna go with yes because it's true based on what they're saying and then i'm just gonna proceed to lean in like I'm eating a tomahawk steak at a certain place in the valley, which name I don't remember, but damn, <laughs> that gave me the power. So, if, if you're listening, you're from LA, and you know a great tomahawk steak place, uh, let us know. <laughs> it, is a, it is a Korean barbecue place that we went to. We had a great time, but you know, in between sake and just a massive meat coma after having a long day at work, yeah, that just, it wasn't... Um, 
Yeah, and I, I have no shade on this place. I really enjoyed. No, it, it was, was amazing. Honestly, it was great. that's the whole point. Is like it was amazing. Like we forgot the freaking name. It was like we we didn't think about it at that point that we'd be talking about it so many months after the fact. <laughs> it's like four months since we've been there, and I'm like, dude, do you remember that one tomahawk state? And John's like, yeah. And it's like, can we go through our respective credit card checks to figure out? <laughs> When in October we went to this place to eat this amazing tomahawk steak and this Korean barbecue, because goddamn, it was so good. So we want to give a shout out to them. Tell us your suggestions in LA if you're in LA or been to a great place, mm-hmm. a Korean barbecue place in LA that's tomahawk steak. So next time we're there, we'll just eat at all of them, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, dude, I love Korean barbecues. It's like you're you're actually challenging me to something that's not a challenge at all. That's like I could turn that into a career. Yeah, probably yeah. wouldn't make a lot of money. In fact, I'd probably lose money. But you know, we both would. But you know, we'd be eating Korean barbecue all the time, and who can fucking every time that. I go to LA, and I know this seems weird because people would be like, "Oh, in LA, you're probably eating something really different." Well, Korean barbecue and crawfish. Oh okay. my god, I didn't know you were gonna. <laughs> Those two things I love eating in LA every time I go. So. We could, we uh, definitely that's... we definitely have to do a foodie podcast, like a foodie foodie for set podcast. Uh, oh, one yeah. of these days, like an episode of that. That would be fucking cool yeah well we should go back to our episode yeah masters of the universe right i have the power (laughs) which master of the universe after me asking all my questions about Mm -hmm. is the master of the universe technically the sorceress who r.i.p we have to say r.i.p to the original sorceress that she does die in part two of this series she is out for the count as other characters who are brought back she is one that is not she's permanent yeah and, and, and i gotta say you know, there's in every film, every television show, everything that's scripted to to tell a story that's, you know, that's either overarching or or what have you, self-sustained. You know, it's there's always a, a shoot the dog moment. You know, unfortunately, it's that old yeller moment where it's like, holy crap, man, I'm gonna have to shoot my dog, and it, and, and, it, and it tugs at the strings. I. It's not that I mind that the sorceress died. Really don't. It's just that I mind that you tried to duplicate that moment because it had already been done in the series with Orko dying. A, f- a hero's death that actually makes Orko a far more interesting yeah. character in this particular... Because, you know, Orko in the original was just, like, annoying. In the second one, he was a little bit smarter, but still kind of, like... You know, he had his thing. Now here, and we're not going to talk about He-Man 90. Uh, we, we. But in, in this one, it's like, they give him this amazing send-off. Mm-hmm. Only to fucking bring him back and expose him as like a character that's nearly as powerful as a sorceress herself. When yeah. allowed the opportunity to tap on, into his magic, and I get it, true potential, blah, 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 yes, sure, no problem. Um, my biggest problem, I was entertained. Let me not say that I wasn't, because I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't. The kid in me was highly entertained. You know what we talked about in terms of expectations of story and what we had seen in the original, like not in the original, but in the, in the first season or series or whatever? And we talked about this. And it was cool that they were going in a different direction that didn't focus on He-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you have so many characters that you can explore, you can always come back around to He-Man later on. It's not a big deal. you know. But here you have all these characters that you can explore. And what happened? It, it, retro, it went retrograde in like the biggest of ways. Um, starting with how... Tila, who was to me like the center, like Tila, bust out of this palatial life, man at arms situation, and really goes off to discover herself while becoming the hero of the series. And you can clearly, plainly see that. Yeah. But it's like here they completely reverse that role, and she's like, I'm not the sorceress. I know she's my mom, but I'm not her. And it's like, you're taking your strongest character that you've already taken five episodes to establish and you're making her a mess for yeah. what reason? That's just how I felt they did it because it's like 
I wasn't as invested in Tila this time around because she comes back into the into the royal loop. But like they don't explore really anything of Tila in this second series to me. That's well, just how I, I saw it. I agree with you. I, I like part one a lot better because of I, honestly sidelining Skeletor and He Man. I think was the best part of part one. Really, it's just not focusing on them. And right. so in part two, where they come back to be the center point. Everything else they built up really, really drops. And one thing I really thought they were setting up for Tila, and it's not just about my expectations, but I'm going to show it here with the god Lin uh, and how she worked with the power, was what I thought really was, was going to be Tila's role, right? That kind of melding of the two, because it kind of was setting that up, right? <laughs> Tila, who kind of ostracized this like sorcerer magic part, but it was really the strong warrior would then be back to combine both of those together and essentially bring balance in a way that He-Man could never do. Um, which is what I thought they were setting up for. Part one really feels like that's what they're setting up for. And it really is disappointing that all that kind of goes out the window. I didn't like what happened with Evil Lin in an old, very old trope that if you've been abused, if you get power, you'll just abuse other people, uh, which is what they did with Lin and you know, oh, she's hurting, so she's kind of a maniac, wants to kill everyone. All, all like what they did with Lynn, I really feel like they had these like powerful, it. especially women figures, Tila and her partner, everybody going, and the part two sidelines all of that, distracts it, pushes but it also, down. But also, we can see He-Man and Skeletor do the same thing we've seen He-Man and Skeletor do. Blah. But, but, <laughs> but, but like, uh, another thing that kind of bothered me is the way that they, like, you're building Tila's partner up and it seems like you're gonna build to something greater, which is cool, you know? Yeah. Um, this isn't a children's series, so it's not supposed to be kid-friendly, so I don't understand why they didn't build to that further. But what really bothered me was when they took her, her, her partner and just, they brought him into, you know, they both came in to, to the king, King Randy, I'm sorry, Randor, um, and, you know, he's preparing for battle. And she's like, oh, all I ever really wanted was a family. And that just kind of resolves her arc. And after that, she just becomes hired muscle. Yep. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yep. That's how I, you're going, going to... They're going to the new man of arms and was something. Yeah. But... But that's... Dude, nothing. that was all of three. Come on, man. If you count the minutes between the, when she first says, I wish I had a family... And then you're the new man at arms and, and everything. She has, what, five minutes of fucking screen time? And I agree with you. That's why I thought they were building up more towards that rather than just... But the point was is that they really felt like they were like, all right, man, well, Skeletor, He-Man are back, so screw everybody else we just were building up. Screw their storyline. Screw everything we're building up. They're really just being pushed to the side to push what we have here, which is where I felt that it really failed. I wanted more of season, uh, part one, not season one, part whatever. Yeah. Season one, part one, whatever you want to call it. I wanted more of that. More of that, He-Man. Looking and exploring a world, uh, really, where things have changed. If you're going to do the thing of just killing off He-Man, why even bother? To me, I'm like at part one, like, why even bother? All of that is like, why even bother? Well, you know, why you set know, up all one of my biggest, all One of my biggest problems is in that first part, they build Skeletor as a brilliant tactician in the sense that he's literally willing, and this is one of the things that I love, to almost end the universe in order to take the power and become Skelegod. And yep. you think that at this point he's going to continue to be a brilliant tactician and instead he becomes the Joker. Of course, Mark Hamill's playing him, so they had to fucking go there just because they had to fanboy <laughs> out on Mark Hamill. Which, I mean, I can't say that I wouldn't have done the same thing, obviously, because I'm a fan of Mark Hamill's Joker. But for these purposes, it's like He-Man's or, or, or Skeletor, basically, the way his power gets taken away is when Evil Lynn gets on him to do a lap dance. Mm. So he takes everything off, puts the power aside... And so it's like, no, Evil Lynn couldn't actually be, God forbid, 
that as a powerful female character, she'd be smart enough to like have enough ingenuity in how to take that power away from him through actual strategy instead of like, no nah, man, she's she's gonna get all sexy and she's gonna get right on top of him. That was a really weird scene, especially because really they can't pretend that they're doing this for children at all. Because I'm just like, well, it's a kid's show. Uh, I've no, seen some of their reviews. I'm like, no, you can't pretend that this is anything to do with children with that scene. But they were building from Duncan to everyone saying, like, the power doesn't come from Skeletor. The power comes from you. You control it. You're the sorceress. They kept telling Evil Lynn that. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to see her finally rise up to her power and strip him. And instead it's like, sexy lap dance. And I'm like, wait, what? We just went to a sexy lap dance to have him remove his power? Except of, you actually control the power? Which is what everyone was saying. Wait, and it's which, such I got to say this, though. Choice. I got to say this. Such a weird she, it was, she was so hot in that moment. I can't say I wouldn't have lost the power either. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'd have gained a different power. But yeah, I know the power. The power. <laughs> the power would have been blue chew times a million, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah, it's just the point. It's just like how lame is it that you're you're pointing to something different, and instead it's like no, she has to use her feminine woes because she's a woman. Yeah, like that's kind of. And so once they give it up, then she could finally get the power. I'm like, how powerful would it have been if Evil Angel stripped him of his power? Tired of his BS, just strips him of his power to prove to him that she's finally overcome him and to strip him of his power and then can do what he never did, destroy He-Man. Fine, I like it. But it, it, it put way... I, I really hated Lynn in the second half. I have to say that. I was really liking Lynn. I was really even liking her storyline... I'm going to say, which is also kind of weird, because now they just made her an abused girlfriend, which is not necessarily what was in the original. No, they never no. said they were dating. Uh, and she was treated just like any of the other henchmen, but now she becomes very much just an abused woman. And in there, when you when you start pushing that narrative and storyline, then I have to start judging it on that. And then I'm like, oh, so you don't even have a story of a woman literally reclaiming her power. It's a story of, I was abused, so I'm just going to like destroy everything because I'm a nihilist because of abuse. And I can never see beyond my abuse. Uh, and I was like, all right, sure. And now I'm an abuser because I was abused. I was like, oh, okay, come on. That's a very harmful narrative that's not true. It's, it's not let's only a harmful to, like, narrative, but it's let's, like... Let's, like it, let's try to take this back. This second I, part, I, this second part to me, one of the things that bothered me, it, it wasn't just that narrative and that was bothersome to me. It's like, you know, you take characters that had use, even in the first series, which was just a kid's show, and it's like, you know, they took Man-at-Arms, who's supposed to be a mentor, and they made him into, like, a bitch with no balls. And, and yeah. what I mean by that, and, and, and here's what I mean by this, like, literally they neutered the guy. They made it so that the whole time he's like, my liege, if you wish, I'll leave the palace, I'll leave stripped. And, like, the whole time he's following directives from a palace that literally fired his ass for being a liar. When, when, the, when the show's picks up it's with him and sorceress with baby tila and he's like i'll never leave you i'll never leave our daughter i'll never leave the house it's like god damn like this is ridiculous he's supposed to be a figure that serves as a mentor he really to me didn't strike me maybe toward the end but he just didn't strike me as a mentor like as a mentor figure of any kind I was like, what the fuck is the purpose of even having him here if all he's doing is essentially just either stating the obvious when it when it's when it's when it suits the story, like, oh, you have all the power, but you don't even know that. It's like, okay, right. Okay. But Beastman said that too. Like everyone's saying that already. So what you're saying yeah, and she is she doesn't even, and that doesn't get followed up with, by the way. And that doesn't get followed up with at all. And it's like sexy laughing. Yeah, sexy lap dance, and that's it. And then, you know, it's like, ultimately, he kind of regains some respect for himself, but it's like, you're not, you're not, like, what they chose to do with characters here just didn't appeal to me, especially He-Man. No, and I get with you, because the Man of Arms and sidelining, I understood why they did it in part one. It's in space for Andra, the new people. Exactly. Like, they really come through. But yes. that never actually comes it's up. It's never paid so out. That whole sidelining makes no sense. 
of what he does. He's still put him in a bunch, and he's still the hero, and then the new characters don't do anything, and it's kind of like, okay, then what was the narrative point of doing anything with Man of Arms? What is Man of Arms' character arc during this He-Man season? I, like, I literally, what is his character arc? I don't know. Don't and, know. And, and I'm not saying that, like, to trip you up. There is none. Yeah, right. that's my point. Is I don't know. Like, I, I, even if I wanted to, because I loved that character as a kid, even if I wanted to do it justice, I couldn't do because I can't answer a question that has no answer. It's like none. It's yeah. it's a none. It's a zero. It's no answer because there is no answer because there's no fucking arc. Like, yeah. you know. And then a lot of the shit they did too that really bugged me. Like to just no. Like when they're with King Randor, they get back with King Randor. That whole shit was just all about... It, it, it just everything makes no sense. Like, you know, um, Tila's partner's like, I always wanted a family. Well, you can't have a family unless you fight with your family. It's like, oh, got it. So the only way you're going to have a family is by putting your life on the line like a jackass. That's real <laughs> smart. And that makes her look like an even weaker character, and it makes King Randor look like someone that's taken advantage of everyone, because at this point he's pissed that he's been lied to for so many years. Yeah. Um, and can we talk about Cave He-Man? Because, oh my god. I like, see, there's moments that I like, and I would say Cave He-Man was a moment I like. I like Savage He-Man. With, like, it was entertaining. It was entertaining. Here are the only things that I didn't like, and it wasn't about the character itself. Because I read those comics, and I'm sure you have too, with the cave He-Man coming out with, you know, and it's that's really what the original intention for, for He-Man was. It was supposed to be that. So, first, Adam somehow gets up from a stab wound to recite almost the entire opening line of the original series. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia, Keeper of the Secrets of Castle Grayskull. I'm like, you know... If I had lost that much blood and I had been stabbed through with a sword, even if it was a through and through, I would not be getting up and saying that shit, especially, like, looking as weak as you look. I don't give a shit. That's Adam's boss moment, man. That's a boss moment. Let Adam have his boss moment. Man. I would do that, too. I don't care if I'm stabbing. You can have my guts laying out. I'm saying the whole speech as well, because I'll be like, yo, man, I am Adam, Prince of Eternia. <laughs> but then, but then, like, they make the goddamn sword, which, look, man, I had the toy as a kid. I took that shit seriously. And you're <laughs> fucking with my childhood when you say, I was one, again, part of the opening monologue. This is the second part. It's like, what marvelous secrets would be re revealed to me if I just said, I have the power? And I'm like, you're, you're shitting all over the sword. And Skeletor is already obsessing over the sword like a punk. He's like, you have the sword. You don't have the sword. My God, I don't understand. The sword is all the power. It's like, no, it's just yeah. a conduit. I'm Adam. I have all the power. Okay. No, which I actually really like. I think the problem, <sighs> the problem with it is that all these threads about the power being the person in part two is like, oh, it's about giving up the power. That's what it's all about. Which I think, instead of responsibility with your power, yeah. which was usually the message of He-Man, and now the message of He-Man is about giving up power, not about responsibility of power, which is definitely what the original series was all about, responsibility with your power. So, uh, yeah, so with, that with, little... the end, with the little end, end thing about, today we learned that being yeah. different is not bad in fact it's great it's like yeah the, that's those were the little lessons that i you know i got to give it to the original show they did a good job with that yeah so I, what you would definitely say is there so they changed that message from like responsibility with power to about giving up power and that's really what the second half is about which is a really weird like message I, not really a message just narratively it just doesn't do it, anything because it comes like, oh, we gotta make Skeletor give up power. Instead of being responsible with power. The whole point is Adam's like, you know, Skeletor, you've been sessing over the sword the whole time, but the sword is not what makes the power. The person is what makes the power, right? I, as Adam, have is the Skeletor power. Is Skeletor really a person, though? Because he's like a skull. I, I don't know. 
But you so, know, and I thought that was like really fun to show, like, okay, but the sword just helps him focus. But he has the power. But his responsibility is actually love, love, and what he does with his power. Hey, and so as long as he can get a hug from his dad, come with it. As long as he can get a hug from his dad, that's what calms apparently Beast He Man down, which is great to know. Love overcomes everything. I get it. Not mad. But what I'm mad about is they show that that he is the person with the power, right? The sword means nothing. Yeah. Setting that up with evil Lin, right? The sword doesn't mean... Who cares that Skeletor has a sword, right? Like, you have the power. Mm. You have the power. All that's literally dropped. None of that is even worth it because who cares? Because it's not about really the person responsibility with power. It's about are you willing to give it up? Right? That's all it's about. So those narrative points don't work because it doesn't fit the structure, the story that they went for. Because you're fucking taking the power away from the characters it should have, in fact, grown to properly wield it. Because I'm sorry, like, giving Tila the last 13 minutes of the last episode to have an on and off fight with Evil Lynn only to essentially just say... Let's kiss and make up, and I'll send you to the island. And she basically, Evil Lynn, who's such a who's a much more dynamic character than fucking Orko, who comes back and Orko, like I mean, Orko kicked ass, full warrior mode, all props yeah, to the guy. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, what? What was that? What was yep. that all about? Like, why? You you have a kill the dog moment. Only to have another kill the dog moment. Only to have a to sacrifice one dog for another moment. I really thought when I saw Oracle come back, and I was like, "Oh, Oracle's gonna solve this problem." Because Evil Lynn and her like, I just fucking hate all of you right now, right? For like just my abuse and trials. I'm gonna see Orko, someone else who's also gone through abuse, you know, been ostracized from others that she has a connection with, right? And see him and be like, Lynn, you're trying to control me as people have controlled you. It's constant underdog and be like, oh, you know what? You're right. I need to be responsible with the power that I have now that I'm in power. You know, the literal theme of He-Man, right? <laughs> to be responsible with my power. But instead, again, they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot we were doing something with Tila. I guess she fights Tila. And I'm like, you just dropped Tila in the second half. You just forgot about her journey and everything. Don't try to shoehorn it in at the end. Like, you already had character motivation set up. But again, they do nothing. Orko and Lynn's relationship ultimately does nothing for the second half. No. So why build it up in the first no, half? No, no. It's why like build it up in the first nothing, half. Nothing, really nothing was paid off to me, you know, aside from the few moments that you mentioned. I honestly, I was more entertained by the level of carnage, which was beautifully drawn. Yes. Than really I was by anything else because I'm like, you're not paying anything out. Like you took Tila's, Tila's entire journey meant nothing. Yep. Which and I loved from part one. Which I loved. I loved the focus. That on was. Tila. We talked about it, dude. We were yeah. both enamored with that story because it's like, holy shit, how can you do that? Like, how can how can you, how can you not do that? You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And, like, the whole point, like, the whole thing with not giving them independence from the from the castle and all that. Look, you can help the castle, not Grayskull, but the other castle. You can do several other things, but you don't fucking have to be withholding to this structure of royalty where you're basically subservient to a system of people that, you know, don't serve really the story. Because, like, Randor, like, what the fuck... Ha! Kiss the I, ring. Actually, I like that line. That was kind of funny. Um, no, but I literally thought, again, with what we're building up from season one to what we see, mm. from even Tila as the sorceress and even Evil Lynn redefining, like, wait a second, who needs a champion? The sorceress can be the champion. I can leave and do whatever I want. Yeah. I was like, oh, so Tila gets that. And because Tila's the person to bring everyone together, maybe these kingdoms and the division kind of goes away and she reunites Eternia. Because that's kept seeing what they were building up to. And they kept seeing that, that and I'm going to say this, I'm putting this on Kevin Smith because he wrote it, was trying to redefine instead of he-man, she-man, really the power of women, femininity, and unity. And I was like, cool, man, that's actually going to be great. I'm here for that. But they don't do any of that, all right? None of that happens. And so I'm like, ah, oh, man, it seems such of a wasted opportunity. I, and I really kind of hated when the focus became about Skeletor and He-Man again. I think their relationship and everything that went on with them was the weakest and how they had to make Evil Lynn, which I think she was having a 
different trajectory than what they just made her this nihilistic like overlord abuser was totally different what she was saying and it, it just was such like you had such good potential i love these characters and you went back on all of it and you made nothing none of the new characters and this mattered. style but john didn't matter but john the, the actual, style the style in which they developed the he-man skeletal relationship was not just you know i totally agree with you on everything but i'll add to that on this it literally was batman joker in the sense that mm-hmm. it was like tila points out all you're doing with the power is trying to figure out how to get rid of he-man but you won't do it because you need him yep it's the same fucking thing as as in uh as joker as, I mean, you're right it really is joker and batman he really a hundred for batman relationship i was like why do you even need that like which I never thought that's the relationship they had in the original cartoons. Like, one can't exist without the other. He-Man's just in Skeletor's way. If Skeletor could kill He-Man, he would. He doesn't give a crap. Like, you know what? Yeah, he, like... tried it. he tried it for, like, 130 fucking episodes. He yeah. chased him in space, and then he came back in the 2000s and tried doing it again. It was never about capturing the sword. In fact, in the original show, Skeletor had a half of the sword, which was the purple half. And when you bought the merchandise, you had a purple half and you had a freaking gray half or you had the -the glow-in-the-dark half, which represented the purple half. Yeah, That's for you kids out there. And I know they changed it, but you are... And I didn't even think about that, but you're 100% right that they turned the Skeletor and He-Man to a Joker and Batman. Um, Like, one can exist while the other needs you. Instead of Skeletor being like, listen, this is not about He-Man. It's about the power of Castle Grayskull. He-Man's just stopping me from doing that. I don't, like, if He-Man's removed, I don't, like, who cares, right? <laughs> my, my whole point has always been the power. My point has never been He-Man. And they made Skeletor just obsess over He-Man so much, and the, even after he won, that I was like, uh, and but you're John, right, that's but the problem Hear me out on this, because I think this is also a good point to bring up. You know, if you're writing, it's okay if you're taking inspiration in something what's not okay is that you're bringing your clear fandom into it and also you're taking two completely different worlds and trying to you know low-key merge them but it's so plainly obvious that that's what you're trying to do that it makes it difficult for you to have any credibility um in general with what you're doing in this particular project look i just recently watched an episode i've never been a huge superman fan but ultimately all like lately i've been watching uh superman and lois because i think that's a pretty damn good telling of that story and like the big bad right now is bizarro but the way they fucking introduced bizarro was by making you think that it was fucking gonna be doomsday in a mind like they literally have the same spacesuit and shit it's different when that's what you're doing, when you're taking an element from that universe and adding it to that universe, but you can't take Batman and then turn He-Man into a strategist and Skeletor into basically just a dumbass because at the end of the day, dude, I was happy that Skeletor stopped being, getting his ass handed to him over and over and was finally allowed to look like a winner only to be shown up to be a complete idiot who never does understand where the power comes from, even though he's literally told that by everyone. He-Man, Evelyn, probably Man-at-Arms, I'm sure Sorceress, like everybody. And again, and this is one thing that really bothered me with Man-at-Arms too. They have this amazing scene, amazing fight scene, where Man-at-Arms is fucking going. I mean, he's going against Skelegob. He's like, motherfucker, I'm going to kill you. I'm straight going to fuck you up. I will mm-hmm. fuck you up no matter what I have to do, dude. I was, I was like on the edge of my seat, and then suddenly he kills sorceress. And I thought to myself, hmm, okay, yeah, I get why, but usually in shows like this, the pain of losing a loved character is what drives you to your last great battle, even if it means that you're gonna die in battle. And that would have done so much to up the value of that character. And actually continue that story. Like, in that one split second, I would have killed fucking Duncan by having him fight to his dying breath to, like, okay, say, okay, now here's where we're going to draw the focus. 
Yeah, and, and that's a motivation that for Tila. Essentially pay off that narrative that He-Man wasn't the most dangerous, it was Man of Arms. Because also, when they started doing these god powers, it made it seem like, I was like, yo, He-Man never really was going to kill, like, he didn't seem to have the power just to kill all of Eternia and everything, like, no. the second he won, no. right? Um, and, and this has been forever. He was like, muscle. Oh, like, He-Man has always been muscle. The fact is, look, He-Man's a guy that, you know, um, engaged in some severe universal steroid use. Yeah. All right, and and that's the and the and that was the power, and that's what the sword brought him. It was uh, it was Winstroll. Um, yeah. You know, ten thousand CCs of fucking. But again, He Man is essentially the guardian of Castle Grayskull, yes. which holds the power. Again, he's, he's the, the housekeeper. He's not. He's not like. He's, he's a housekeeper, a bro. He's a housekeeper. Like really, he's the one that the sorceress is like, "Hey, man, this dude's bugging me. Go and take it out. You're my pest control." Right? <laughs> Pretty and the much. Sorceress, yeah, and the sorceress was always, not ever weakened, like weak, but it was always like, outside of Grayskull, I can't do crap. But in Grayskull, I got power for days. Like, you know, I'm literally the master of the universe, like I said. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but you're my, you're kind of my agent to keep people away and just make sure that no one kind of messes with me. Honestly, I don't usually need a He-Man because unless someone's threatening Grayskull, I don't need anybody. I literally just don't need anybody. That's why there's not a bajillion He-Mans. There's only some of them when times of great need, when someone's actually trying to access the power. And the ones that are in pre-Turnia and the ones that are pre-Turnia are a great example of that, like King Grayskull himself. Like, yeah. You know, I, I think that, um, honestly, to me... If I had to guess what happened, and of course I don't know, and I'm not, you know, gonna say that, that that I know that this is a fact, but it wouldn't surprise me. It's like I'm sure Kevin Smith probably presented it drastically because look, when you're brought in to write a property, you're only gonna get as much creativity and in, in, in input as they're gonna let you have. hundred. And so at that point, it's like you're gonna write a hundred percent of the script, only to see about fifteen percent of it, even if you are Kevin Smith. So, yep. My guess is. Mattel said to him, all right, we loved where you're going with this, but here's what we want now. Imagine an even buffer He-Man with even shorter underwear, bigger boots, and no common sense of reason. And I'm sure Kevin Smith is probably looking at him thinking, right, uh-huh, and okay. And now imagine Tila just looking at him in wonderment. Like... I'm going to say this in the most crass way that I can imagine. So please, world, don't cancel me, but it's true. This is what happened. Mattel just straight up put its dick all over this. Because it, it doesn't, it does not, there's such a separation. And the, and the fact of the matter is... That people who don't fucking understand the concept of storytelling at its simplest had real problems with the original because they're like, not with the original, but with the first season. Yeah. yeah, with part one because they're like, you can't kill Prince Adam. You can't do this. You can't do that. It's like every story, like, fuck, dude, if they could kill Luke Skywalker, they could fucking kill Prince Adam. It's not all going to revolve around yeah. one goddamn character. It's called evolution. And this wasn't, like, contrary to what people believe, and I'm going to say this for the last damn time. Look, doing better on my promise, not cursing as much. I will say this for the last fucking time. There we go. Uh, <laughs> dude, this is not a continuation of anything. This is using existing characters more akin to what was used in 1983 as opposed to, you know... Um, 2002 in terms of the story arc creating a completely different story arc but giving you that sort of 80s look that kind of mm -hmm. 80s look that's you know more more like what the 80s look was like but the stories yeah. how can you have continuing stories when every episode was a self-sustaining arc except for maybe one or two yep you can't do that yep. like and and that's i think the problem the problem probably was that maybe that didn't test as well, even mm -hmm. though it was really well done and had a great I story agree. because people don't understand. Like a lot of people don't fucking understand the intricacies of story. And look, 
it's not a fucking rocket science. Read a book. You'll find out really quickly. You know, read a book and story. Robert McKee, Sid Field, whoever you want. Read it and, and understand uh, Blake Snyder about, you know, the fucking cat. Like, l learn it. To tell a story that's evolving, you got to look at the time in which you're living in. Mm -hmm. Because we are at a time of true women's empowerment where there's independence and there's equality there, which didn't exist quite the same way in 1983. So therefore, yeah. Kevin Smith can't write He-Man saying, I'm He-Man, I have the power. You're Tila, you look kind of sexy in that snake uh, uniform. You want to do something later on? Let's have some He-Coffee at the He-Starbucks. It's not fucking 1983, people. Let's get over that shit. Come on now. No, That's just my and opinion. I agree. And I agree. I love part one, and I think part two becomes worse when it drops all of its themes, when it drops all of its oh. characters, and really just tries to fit everything into this. And thank you for just just doing that for me. This Joker He-Man dynamic, which is unnecessary. And Lynn, <laughs> who I loved in part one, I could not stand in part two. Oh. And I could not stand in part two what they did with her. I couldn't stand the resolutions what they did for her. I didn't like how they sidelined Teela. I didn't like how they sent in Andrea, which was the new character. I just, I, it was like all like, that was the worst. all right. It was just, it was just like, hey, He-Man's back, guys. So it's all He-Man now. Forget all of the stuff that we were building. And when Andra, and when Andra and is, is fighting, to go. they have this line, which really pissed me off. And it pissed me off because it just further minimizes the character, even if they make her man-at-arms later. Which I'm like, okay, you know, she's man-at-arms, Tila's sorceress, but you're still assigning roles that you were going to assign to female characters anyway. And, and they were clearly defined female roles as the way you started them. Because Tila was going to be man at arms, now she's sorceress, but she's still sort like, like you're still making it a he man, she woman type situation. And the line that really pissed me off was when King Randor, like they're kicking ass, and King Randor says like she she does this series of things where she just kicks like three spirits' ass or whatever, and King Randor's like she was a good hire, and I'm like. I thought you said she was going to be family. Now it just turns out that she's going to be another palace higher. Well, you know, like, again, you're not even paying off little shit that you're building up to or that you're supposed to be building up to. You're not even paying that off. And, and I think mostly when we come to story structure, it's really because we had the hero's journey going with Tila and Andrea and watching them become heroes to only stop midpoint of the hero's journey and follow someone completely else who's not even going through a hero's journey. And so then, at the final episode, <sighs> we have to be like, oh yeah, they're supposed to be doing a hero's journey, so. We're gonna jump to part five of the hero's journey. We're just I mean, gonna take yeah. a big, we're gonna take a big steaming one over Joseph Campbell. <laughs> uh, you know, cause we yeah, can. And that's kind of what they do. And then they wanted this redemption arc with Lynn, but they were rushing her through to the villain, too. They just kind of rushed it all with their characters because, mm -hmm. again, it felt like, and I agree with you, it was probably Mattel coming in and going, nope, more Skeletor and He-Man. Nope, more Skeletor and He-Man. Only Skeletor and He-Man. Which I was like, wow, wouldn't it have been great if when Skeletor comes back and they're telling Lynn, you know, you have the power, if Lynn immediately sidelines Skeletor, obliterates him, and gets him out of the equation, really is like, I don't care about this E-Man Skeletor stuff. I'm rid of it. Skeletor, you're done. E-Man, it's all done. And then it's about the new group fighting Lynn? Great. But it really feels like they were just like, nope, more Skeletor, more E-Man. Forget everyone else and what you're and, doing. And, right and at this point... It needs to only be about at, the, at this point, the switching of the power from left to right, where no one had oh. it really for an extended period of time, made it and, all and anybody, it made the power pointless, and on top of that... Just by looking at Lynn and Skelegot and shit like that, I could see one thing. I'm like, man, these are going to make some great-looking toys. <laughs> yeah, and I know, it's to sell toys, but that's really what it was. It was like, how many different toys can we get out now? And I get that's really the point of the 80s cartoon, but it really felt like this one was telling a story more than trying to sell toys, at least with part one. And it I feel... Did part one and i feel like maybe they went back and did some more of the animation because of some of the backlash with part one but it really feels like that departure from part one 
where um, which I loved. Again, I loved. I know people were hating it, but I loved part one and the new direction they were taking to only send it right back to the original. They even brought in Hordak at the end, and I'm like, oh. But technically, hasn't Hordak already been around in this past? By the time the point in the show, like, because oh, you mean when they dropped them? When they dropped them from the spaceship? Uh, I mean, the motherboard at the end was oh that yeah coming back. They showed uh, Hordak sign for the Horde Empire, and I was like, didn't they already do Hordak? Like literally in the '80s, She-Ra's all about Hordak. Their crossovers, like Hordak's already known. Like Skeletor's already done this shit, and oh, that's already gotten his own independence. So I was like, uh, it just feels, I don't know. I was just like, whatever, man. Uh, I, I now, I don't even know where this is in the timeline of the original 80s. It just feels like we're here to sell more toys and actually tell our story. Skeletor's right back on Mount Doom in the Skeleton Mountain. You know, the kingdom is right back where it was, even though they were like, hey, man, the king and queen getting divorced. Everything's kind of been up in the air and bad. Not nah, man, he may showed up. Everything is right back to normal. We're just all back to square one, as if none of this actually mattered. And I got Rick rolled because it is an episode of He-Man. You know what? I was wrong. It's an episode of 80s He-Man where nothing mattered and everything ended up the same at the end of the episode. Yeah. My fault for expecting anything else. Uh, <laughs> See, and now what you have to do is like, Hello, boys and girls. Today we learned that women's empowerment is nothing but a crock of progressive shit. <laughs> at least according to Mattel. What we learned, boys and girls, is you shouldn't expect anything but nostalgia being sold to you. Go fuck yourself if you want something different. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, I didn't need... Look, man, here's my fucking problem with this. I did not need... And here's what bothers Like, I did not... They had done such a great job with Toys That Made Us and then that one documentary about He-Man, you know, when, when we had the power or whatever the fuck it was called. I'm like, they did such an amazing job with that already it's like i didn't need that to be like i like the toys i would have bought the toys man we're, we're toy guys we're it's fine yeah, I, I, I don't know. need a show to dangle like literally a fucking you know I, I don't need a show to dangle its cave member on my face tell me that it's a pen and expect me to write a fucking sign a contract with it I'm already all in, dude. I'm all I'm a He-Man guy. That's not the problem. The problem is, is don't give me the Tila story that is so captivating only so you can take a gigantic shit in the middle of the screen and be like, ha ha, you watched me defecate yep. on your dreams and hopes. Yep. Like, I, I, and, it, and it comes down to, and I'm going to say this, the remake that was on Cartoon Network is now still my favorite He-Man property. This one, yeah. part one, yeah. was becoming my favorite He-Man property. It was becoming. And then part two really ruined it. Um, I do love She-Ra on Netflix. It is Final great. season aside, I think the final season was downright trash. Uh, but <laughs> She-Ra... <laughs> but, okay, but aside, give, me, give me... Let me ask you a question, though. Because how many seasons did this She-Ra run? Uh, it was like five or six. It got a good run. Yeah, see, none of the He-Man shows have ever gotten more than a two-year run, for one. And even the original Shira show didn't get that big of a run. So when you think about it, for a show like that to get a six-year run and only one year be bad, that's actually still kind of a win. Yeah, I, I, I literally love She-Ra until the final season. Uh, we're not talking she but I, I really love it until the final season. Uh so, but the He-Man 2000 remake, probably my favorite. They were hinting at putting She-Ra into that one. I really wish they had more, like, yeah. more time yeah. uh, to actually do that one. Because that one only lasted two seasons. But this one, I, I, I enjoyed parts of part two, but it was a huge letdown. It was just a huge letdown from part one. Part one was far superior, but it doesn't exist in a vacuum since they are together. The letdown of <laughs> kind of part one. The part two of where they just continued. The sidelining of its main characters i even love that tila was going to kind of she was interested in injury you know they had like this queer romance all that subtext really gets dropped like all the things that were building in part one gets dropped in part two and and and, and you know really kind of what bothered me about that is like it doesn't just get dropped it gets completely ignored it's like it never happened i agree yeah 
you go from little moments where then holding hands and talking about, you know, all I need is you in my life and stuff like that, where they're defining the fucking character. Look, if you're defining a character, let the character be defined. Do not all of a sudden throw the character in the end and have her just look at Adam and basically hold hands with him and say, my hero, while Adam is yet again reciting lines from the old show. Because, dude, okay, it's fine. I'll grant you the boss moment. Look, if you get stabbed and you can get up, and you can say, I'm the baddest motherfucker alive. You're going to have to stab me like 12 more times before I even consider going down. Awesome. Amazing. Love it. When you start then giving me fucking monologue lines from the opening, and you make that like actual points where you want me to get hooked on, that's where you lose me because you're overusing that shit. That is not a device that needs to be overused. I get it when you're doing the callbacks and shit. But again... Great example of how that device was used properly. Superman and Lois. The episode where they introduced Bizarro, Superman says to, Lois says to Superman, to Clark, on the table, is like, I don't need this to be your doomsday. Foreboding. You think yeah. it's going to be doomsday, but it's not. It makes perfect sense. Here, and, it's and just like, no. And I, I'll put up the Avengers of like, you know, I am a god and everything. And Tony Stark's like, but I have a Hulk. You know, a line or two really works. Or even with Thanos, and he's like, you know, I'm an edible. He's like, yeah, and I'm an Iron Man. You know, before he snaps, like, yes, you could have those big, powerful moments, but I agree with you. It doesn't need to be super long. Sometimes just one or two or three Dude, seconds. Dude, it worked. It really worked. Work. You know, you talked about, like, all of a one-minute line in Iron Man where after he says that, he says nothing else. Mm. He dies. You know, yeah. like... Just two minute, like one minute moments. Doesn't need to be more than that. Yeah, and I, I can see how it could be more impactful if Adam is sitting there. He's like, ah, I have the power. He's like, and, and Adam's sitting there. He's like, yeah, but I'm Adam, King of Grayskull, and I have the power. And like, you know, and just calls it down. I can see how that would be a little more impactful because you'd be like, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, but the closing moment is just Tila saying, my hero, as if she oh, fucking yeah. needed a hero the way she had been set up in, uh, in in story one. Yep. No, I agree with you. And I think everything they set up in part one, again, like you said, the men of arms seems like dying. I really wanted to see why a man of arms was the most dangerous. And it'd be great because if he, if he fought Skella God after the sorceress died into like almost killing him, but died in the process, I would really be like, yeah, definitely. Man of arms is the one. If he wasn't, you know, beaten down in prison and didn't have all of his things, he may have actually could have done this. Dude. Instead, all of that is underlined. All the notes and setup they did for part one kind of never pays, and we talked about it, never pays off, never kind of comes through. Uh, Lynn's redemption is, her villain and her redemption are also super rushed in and short, have nothing yeah. to do with what she was actually doing in part one, which is like, man, just just, just do it. And, and it kind of, I, I hate that they just turned Lynn to an abused woman. That's all it turned her down to at the end of the day. And, and, all of her motivation. Yeah, you reduced her. And, and the thing, you know, going back to the man at arms thing, like a comparable scene from way back in the day for all you anime fans was Dragon Ball Z, the Attack of the Saiyans, where Tien has a broken arm. His arm has, you know, been taken off. But he's fighting. He's got zero energy. And everybody's saying, look at him, look at him. He could overtake him. He could overtake that moment right there. And also the fact that Tian doesn't really appear that much really ever again. I mean, he appears, but very rarely. You're like, holy shit. I love this character more than I love Goku, who's a fucking dumbass thug. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it, it... Vegeta for life! <laughs> <laughs> look Kakarot but my point is, is you're creating that memorable moment that really again could could define a series if you do it right and obviously I'm not talking that that would have been the same case in Dragon Ball See, it's a different story but I am talking about the fact that you had that opportunity and you had the opportunity within that in the first episode to follow up on everything that you did on, on not the first episode, but the second season to follow up on everything that you did in season one by leading off with that. Because if you're going to kill fucking characters off, it's in sacrifice that you elevate them. And it is also in sacrifice that you elevate the growth and journey of a new character that you're trying to build. How fucking anticlimactic was it that Prince Adam says, look, 
I have a secret, and I need to tell you this. And she's like, oh, God, Adam, no more secrets. She's like, the sorceress is your mother. And I'm like, that, that would have been a perfect fucking opportunity. And she's so like, yeah, I guess I've always known. Like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, you've always known the sorceress was your mom? How the fuck could you miss the fact that Adam just looked like he was roided up and carrying a sword and wearing a fucking loincloth? Like, like the sorceress, whom you never really saw as a child, like, just as a few times as a baby, you know her, and you can't, yeah, like, that just made her look stupid. Well, Tila's reaction was literally to screw my position, screw the kingdom, screw all of you. You lied to me for my whole life. I do not want to be lied to anymore. Hey, this person lied to you your whole life. Uh, okay. Okay. And I'm literally like, she literally reacted completely. But you didn't give her character growth to see why, because she was still dealing with all the lies and being like, I'm really tired of people lying to me in my life. And her confrontation with her mother, even about the lying, wasn't that she's like, I'm just going to do it differently. It's like, again, because Tila doesn't get the payoff. She doesn't get the journey. You don't get to see her really grow through the emotions because she's sidelined again for He-Man and Skeletor's forever-ending battle because we need each other. What's one without the... What is going on here? Like, you like you really symbolized it for me. It's like Joker and Batman, but I'm like, Skeletor and He-Man don't have no. that relationship. No, no they, they don't. don't. They don't. It was, so for, it was forced here. In, it's really weird. It was forced uh, here. But I have something very important to say that I think all of our listeners need to, need to listen to now. Um... Today marks a landmark occasion for us here at Cinemagic as we are getting close to wrapping what is our dun, 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 golden 50th podcast, baby. Woo! We have been Woo! doing this. We have been doing this for a year, and we have a lot of fun. That is why we do it. Um, unlike what some trolls might think, we actually enjoy uh, doing this. We have a great time together. And for the people that have listened and downloaded and uh, and everything, continue to please help us grow. Tell everybody about the podcast. We love you very mm-hmm. much, and we greatly appreciate it. But, you know, and this is what a podcast should be. Two brothers iTunes, having fun. Review. Yep. If you're on iTunes, please review, uh, share, subscribe. Of course, you can listen to us across multiple ones, but people seem to prefer what our iTunes ratings are doing. So mm, yeah. go out there and do that part. Yeah. But please just keep sharing with it. We love it. Reach out to us on social media, Triskelion Productions. Let Allie over there know. Um, you can tell her Beppity Boopity Boopity Beppity from me. Um, Scusi? <laughs> I was going to do that too. I was fucking. I, so, okay, I didn't see that message till later. That's why I didn't do it. But I was dying. <laughs> I was dying with that shit because I told Allie about that years ago. She's like, yeah, I remember. That's when Peter had the mustache and thought the world belonged yep. to him. And I was like, oh, my God. this That whole exchange was so priceless. I'm like, I'm not going to sully it with my interruption. <laughs> so just for context, Allie over here, we have group chats. And I love that. Yeah. So we like, to, we like to give each other fun. Uh, <laughs> so go over there. Tell her we sent you. Uh, say hi to her. Uh, over there. Thank you so much. Um, for recommendations for this week, not He-Man one, Part Peacemaker, 2. Peacemaker's still good. Peacemaker's still, still Peacemaker. good. Peacemaker's my go-to. But I'm going to go with Resident Alien. I said this last year when it was out. Alan Tudyk is killing it. And it's still one of my favorite TV shows. It's on Sci-Fi. You can also get it on Peacock. Use VPN services if you're uh, from overseas. But definitely check out Resident Alien. It is great and amazing. Catch up with season one, season two. Still funny, still interesting. And I, I have to say, Alan Tudyk is probably one of my favorite actors, literally right now. Uh, he can bring so many different things to life, and uh, he, he's so great at body acting. Uh, really, using there is one recommendation that I do have, and normally I don't do like regular cable recommendations. Barely, I barely watch regular cable, but um. Watch the CW shows and pay close attention because the character and John, you and I talked about this like I think a year and a half, two years ago maybe. Um, the character of John Diggle is making sporadic appearances, but the reason why he's making sporadic appearances is because I think it's a setup to building him up to the Green Lantern, which I would fucking give anything to see that on television. Oh yeah, so, and, yeah. And- Shout out to Naomi who came out on CW too. Oh yeah, I actually have that on my queue. I'm gonna watch this after. I'm gonna watch that afterwards, man. It looks really good. It looks yep. really good. 
So, 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 about that. Shout out to that show too as well. I should have said that last week. We're talking about Peacemaker. But shout out to that one as well. Uh, <laughs> really, uh, we're coming in with our podcast. I, 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 I don't remember what we're doing next week. I was gonna give him a little hint, but I am uh, uh, flustered after this one because I do not have the power uh, to <laughs> focus on. Let's this. give him. Let's and, give him. Let's give him something different. What do you? What do you say we do the food one next week? About foodies? About food? Yeah, food food, food for after you've been busting your ass on a set. Because, <laughs> come on. we Dude, caves? Wait a second, because we got to be real about this. Caves? This That's a set. Okay? Mm. That's a set. You know, sets in the fashion district, which, holy God. Yep, that's yep, a story yep. right there. That dude, that's a fucking torture because it's like if you're not getting the horns in the airplanes, you're getting that delicious smell of fritura. Oh my god. <laughs> that's well, shit. Yeah. Well we may do something about food. I mean uh, We could, about, like right? we could. But if not, if not, you know, that's I'm throwing that out there. We look, we'll surprise you next week. We'll surprise you next week of it. But right now, I don't have the power. You have the power. I, I, don't, I, I don't have the power. I'm just Thanks, everyone, for joining us. And if you have the power, please go fuck yourself. <laughs> See you next week. I'm not cussing anymore. Have a good day. <laughs>